Welcome to the Adoptee Diaries, the podcast that explores the journey of adoption and self-discovery from the perspective of an adoptee. I'm Bethany Frazier, your host. Join me as we dive into the raw, unfiltered truths of this complicated and unique experience. We'll focus on the truth, trust, and transparency, the power of community, and sharing our stories. Through personal narratives, expert interviews, and insightful discussions, my number one purpose is to create a safe space for adoptees to share their stories and connect with others who understand, so they're not left navigating alone. This podcast also serves to inform the broader adoption constellation of what our collective lived experience looks like, so they can support us, raise us, teach us, and care for us better, ultimately giving us the option to live fully supported, informed, full, and connected lives. We believe that by shedding light on the challenges and triumphs of adoption, we can inspire hope, healing, and a sense of belonging for all those impacted. So come along on this journey of self-discovery with me. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome back for part two of the Adoptee Diaries, which is the second half of the conversation with my birth father. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for your comments after our last episode. Thank you for your DMs, for your testimonials. And thank you for sharing the Adoptee Diaries with those who need to hear its message the most, other adoptees and those who care for us. So the previous episode was the most downloaded episode since launching the pod. We had listeners in 30 states across the U.S., and we were downloaded in seven countries. So what is downloaded the most tells me what people need the most. I look forward to creating more space for more conversations like this one with my birth father, for more conversations that share perspectives of us who are hurt. We're trying to heal, and I don't have all the answers, but I know what's helped me, and I am so excited to have the opportunity to share those resources and those conversations with you. So getting into the painful and the sticky stuff is actually where we can find the truth. Um, If I did not want to dig in and really have some tough, uncomfortable conversations, I don't think I'd be able to be here right now. So thank you for being here and for being brave. Okay, so let's dig into part two. I'll just say uncovering sort of the truth and the circumstances around my adoption, it was so important to me and it became only more important as I got older, as I had children, um, as I sorted through life. And I wanted to know just because I'm a curious person where I come from, um, why I am who I am, medically, ethnically, culturally, culturally, like there was just so many things and not having so many answers, it actually started to overwhelm me. So I just want to say it may have taken two people to make me, but I literally have this life because one man fought for me, and that is my birth father. I am so blessed that uh, I found him, and I continue to say for anybody that is searching, thinking about searching, searched and did not have the uh, results that maybe they were expecting or hoping for, please, please know I am absolutely sending you love and hugs, comfort. You are brave. Um... I'm praying that you have, uh, that you can find peace, even if you don't find what you're looking for. Um, My story is super rare. I had a man on the other side of it that was waiting for me. I was stolen from him. Um, 
So I have two reunions with two people that made me, and one is rare. I have two. So I want to be a resource for you. Like I said, if you're looking, thought about looking, looked, didn't get what you looked for, um, it's complicated. And you can't, and you're not expected to do it alone. With social media and all the different technology and ways we have to connect with each other, um, I'm glad if you're here and you're hearing me say these words, I am here for you. Um, So without further ado, I'll go ahead and start part two of the reunion conversation with my birth father. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions for either of us, you are not alone. I would be looking at little kids that had, you know, light skin, you know, pretty eyes, you know, I went, is that my baby? You know, and, you know, now we do that a lot. I just, I couldn't, I can't imagine thinking about having to exist, having kids of my own if they were like gone. I don't, Yeah, I can't comprehend that. Right. You know, it was like that. And the thing was now, if, if, you know, a baby would have died, that's one thing. You have to, you know, deal with that, accept that. But here's, Baby didn't die. She's someplace. Yeah. And I wanted to be with her. I wanted to, you know, hold a little baby. I wanted to change them poo diapers, you know, and everything, you know. That I, you know, just wanted to raise, you know, my baby, you know. Uh, but I didn't get that chance, you know. So I was, you know, kind of messed up in the head a little bit. Emotionally, for sure, you know. One good thing I can say is my family around me, they were very supportive of, of me, you know. But one thing I do notice, too, that I'll say, it was almost like that was how things went back then, especially in, in a racial issue. Like, oh, well, that's what happens, you know. Nobody never necessarily said that, but that was just, felt like the feeling for me back then. Um, as you know, you know, back then was a heavy, you know, civil rights thing going on. Black and whites didn't mingle legally. <laughs> Kind of shit went on to slave days, <laughs> but this yeah. was different. Yeah, you yeah. know, I didn't expect this. You know, so yeah, I was hurt and I just felt lost. Like I said, I was looking around for my little baby. I want to find my baby. Where's my baby? Where's my baby? You know, yeah, I was not included in it. But as we're talking about this, I'm thinking like, wow, you know, we have laws for abortion, and that's a big political issue. This needs to be on the table. And you know what? Never heard it. All I heard was about abortion and that being a big, you know, thing. This should be a part of it. The the adoption side of it, but then the parents, you know, how that decision is made that this should happen. You know, I know there's a lot of guys that don't even want kids, you know, they'll run away and whatever. But this should be should be an issue that we bring to the table, you know, on the political level, so that we can make some laws that will protect, first of all, the baby for sure. Because if there's these people that are treating this little baby like it's a, you know, car, you know, a commodity, a human being, and, you know, finding, you know, a buyer, finding a seller, you know, taking advantage of, like, you know, you know, young women that maybe, you know, economic, not ready to take care of a baby or whatever it might be. And then here they come in, swoop in and, okay, well, we can take that baby from you. That's what's ha- it. I was not, I was naive until I started like researching and meeting with people that are doing the work to change the laws that even allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember interviewing somebody who works on policy and he was saying, you know, if this was really about the baby, we'd be working harder to ensure 
that like no stones left unturned to keeping them with their biological family, that all resources go to the family to keep them together. You know, we want to slam black fathers or fathers in general, but we're not helping them financially with these things. You know, well, I was I was just just to complete the thought, I was telling you that I interviewed somebody who was involved in the policy of adoption and his, you know, decades of research is has uncovered time and time again, it becomes about finding a baby for people that can't have children and want a baby. Right. So it becomes about the parents that are looking to complete or create a family. Let's go find them a baby versus Mm -hmm. we have a baby that's in a situation that needs to be a good home needs to be found for for whatever reason. But, you know, the criteria who decides what a good home is. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I was raised in the suburbs in a upper middle class family. Right. If you're if you were middle or even lower or wherever you fell, who's to determine that you're not you're not capable. And in your in our story, it feels like my birth mother's family decided that for you. And then the adoption helped the adoption agency helped her. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want it. He can't raise it. Therefore, we have a family that's like my parents were on a list. I just I was put in my parents' house because they were next in line. Yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. There's I mean, sure, there's in-home visits and there's some, you know, so I again I don't speak on policy because I don't know what the rules are across the board. So and I'm not saying everybody's bad. And definitely we're not saying that nobody's saying that a child should be kept in an abusive situation. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, if, if, if I was being abused and all those kinds of things and being mm-hmm. removed by CPS because of these situations, I, yeah. I stand with the advocates that say, even still that child, there needs to be policies in place that the whole family, like your aunt could have kept me potentially, even if you weren't fit, like if you were completely deemed not fit and my birth mother's family completely thought you weren't fit and everybody, you know, but I think the problem for me that I see, and I'm not the expert, <laughs> The, the issue is who can decide if you are able or capable of raising a baby and then deciding, nope, you're not. And let's sell it to the next in line. I mean, it's a, yeah. and, and, you know, there's all kinds of thoughts on that. So the political laws and the removal of safe abortions and like all these conversations. So what does that mean? If, if we adhere to those rules and there's all these babies on the market, then the industry is going to make more money because they're schlepping around more kids and dumping them in more homes without proper vetting. And, you know, there's more of us then that grow up feeling like unconnected to culture, not seeing people that look like us, feeling displaced and total erasure of our history. It's just all totally wrong. And then look what it does to you. Who knows Who knows how your life would be different if this all didn't happen to you, right? And, and mine. So, oh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Isn't it a lot? Because we're talking, you and I, it's a lot. You know, Like you said, we both have our own you know, experience. Like, But I'm glad you're giving me this you know, opportunity to talk with you like this because you know, we talk all the time, but we don't necessarily talk about this. So this is good, you know, and like I hope it, you know, it does help uh, someone else, like you know, a guy that's been gone through what I've gone through. I don't know any of my friends that have gone through what I've gone through, you know. I know more. I know guys that have gone through abortion, you know. A lot of them, they were wanted the abortion, you know. I don't know any guys that have had their baby taken away, like mine. <laughs> so wow. well, yeah, I don't know any guy that has been like this, you know. I know some folks that maybe like you know have been adopted, and I don't know the history about. You know, like, but I don't know anybody that you know, like guys I can talk to say, well, I had a baby and they were gone, you know. So, yeah, you know, it's something I know we, as a society, we definitely need to address this issue because it's not fun, you know. And like you say, I mean, if I would have been able to bring you into my family, um, it would have been more like a natural thing, however that played out. You know, even if you were with, you know, my aunt, Pat, <laughs> that wanted to take you because that's what she offered when I was Running around, I'm saying, "Oh, I gotta get my baby." I, I you know, was asking different relatives, but she said, "Oh, no, no, I would take a baby." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, she she's a sweet. My mother's my mother's sister, and she was ready to step in, you know, and you know, play you know, mom to you. 
who knows? I mean, this would have been different for me in a lot of ways, perhaps. Like maybe I would have been so rude towards other women throughout my uh, relationship life, you know, because I was resentful that what happened, you know, like not having the opportunity to make that decision on myself, you know, and yeah, I was, I felt treated, you know, bad, you know, by. Did you go, did you go through, did you go through angry, like chip on your shoulder, going to kill someone? I hate the world. Well, I was really mad. I know that. And I was angry with the birth mother's parents. You know, I was angry with her too. Cause I know when we would talk sometimes, I guess would say, how could you do that? That was my thing. How could you do that? You know, you gave your baby away. You, you dummy. <laughs> you know, why did you do that? You know, and like I say, we would cry together, you know, but I was you know, really angry with her. Definitely could not see myself being, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend like that anymore because you just gave me away. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. I, I think I remember when you and I first met, you said something to the effect of when you found out that my birth mother actually found me in 2005, I found you in 2020. So 15 years, I had a relationship with her and she kept your name and identity hidden. She would not tell me anything. I remember, do I have it right, that you said you were upset that she had the ability to know me and my kids and like insert herself in my life and still continue to withhold you from the story or that opportunity. Yeah. I think I remember we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, No, that was... I mean, just the whole thing of her telling you she didn't know who I was. Yeah. That, I mean, if, yeah. you know, if she diagnosed with some kind of mental thing, I can understand so, it. Yeah, right. I, you know, I'll, so let me speak on behalf of the mothers in the room, right? My takeaway is that there was trauma experienced, obviously, on both sides, all sides. And yeah. I think hers, I'm not convinced that hers erased her memory, although I'm not sure. I'm sure you could find some doctor that could say she was so traumatized she actually forgot I don't think she forgot. She knows I don't think she forgot. I do think it could have been a protective measure because perhaps people in her world didn't know the whole truth. It was hard for me to digest what she was always telling me over those 15 years before I found you myself. Because when I did find you, she was like, oh, you found him. And I was like, oh, there was there was no like, who's that? I don't know him, you know. So it doesn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with me. And for the birth mothers listening and in the room and any other adoptees or whatever, I some people a lot of people ask me how I like how I digest and comprehend all of this when it comes to her and her lies or withholding the truth. And as upset as I am, and we talked about this before, I try to understand she was going through something as well. How how traumatic for her, for her whole family to say, we will not, we will disown you if. And and she held those secrets. Like I said, even after her mother passed, she still wouldn't tell me the truth. She, so I try to just give room in the story for everybody to do whatever they needed to do to cope. You're also an adult now and you found God and you have turned into a like responsible human. So, you know, I have a 21 year old son right now. You were his age when you had me. Right. I would probably kick him in the butt if he came home right now and said, I'm having a baby, you know? So he's child. Yeah. So I try to leave room for all those things in these stories, which is what makes reunion possible. I have, I have a beautiful testimonial that somebody just put on my web, on my podcast. I just saw it yesterday. Um, this person, I don't know them. They made a comment about, Gosh, I almost want to read it, but I don't know if I'll find it fast enough. Oh, did you see this by chance? I posted it on my Instagram. Um, I I well, I'm going to read it. I'll read it because then the listeners can hear it too. So this is a testimonial that somebody posted on January 1st this year on the Adoptee Diaries podcast. Oh yeah, and it and it says, as an adoptee, still an- still anxious, intense over undertaking a search for my birth family. This was just the podco- podcast episode I was craving. Bethany shares her adoptee experience with a focus on her identity and the value in healing that came from putting the pieces together via a DNA test. While I know healing isn't a guarantee, Bethany's story is a great 
inspiration to me and is a model example of the feelings and experiences I may have as I begin to uncover the secrets of my origin. Hearing her story makes me feel braver to move forward into the unknown because it's not wholly unknown to me anymore after listening. The adoptee experience is so unique and one I don't get to hear unless I seek it out. To those who are wondering what finding your birth family can look and feel like, this is an amazing podcast. Mm. And I saw that yesterday, right before yeah. I was like getting, you know, I was getting nervous to have, we talk all the time, but it was nervous. It's it's nerve wracking for me to have you on because I feel protective of you and your story. And it's also nerve wracking to me because I want to do our story justice and I want to, we're sharing it. I share it. And thank you for also sharing your side because it's important that people hear. And that testimonial, I was like, oh, thank you for like putting it all in perspective of why I even set out to do this in the first place. Because there are still people that exist that are searching. There are people that are thinking about searching, don't think it's possible. There are people that might experience reunion and it didn't go well. You know, there's there's just so many stories that you never know. So I just wanted to like carve out this little space on the internet for people like sweet Maureen who left that testimonial. We helped someone, yeah. you know, and that was what the whole thing was about. So you being present opens it up to perhaps father's hearing and it opens it up to adoptive parents hearing from you yeah. because let us, if, if we, we'll just make up stories. And if we didn't know you, we could make up a story that you were like some big monster. I was saved by my adoptive parents and family because they took me out of like racist, horrible Buffalo and moved me on. Well, they hid, you know, there's a whole, we can break them down on another day, but actually let's talk about them for a second. Like, how do you feel about my parents who raised me? Cause I'm like, they stole you, me from you. Well, yeah. Yeah. They didn't do it, I guess, on purpose, like necessarily, but well, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that they were the good people that you tell me they, they are, they were your dad. Yeah. I'm thankful for that because they could have been another type of people that were trying to get a welfare check. Yeah. Something. And there are, they exist. They still exist. And I've met the yeah. babies that they got and it's, wow. there's a lot of hurt people walking around. Yeah. Are you angry? Do you feel angry at them or? No, you know, um, I don't feel angry at all, but I guess I kind of, if I had a perfect world with that whole thing, it would have been like I could have shared the relationship with them as you were growing up like that. And But in a certain fact, that wasn't going to work that way. <laughs> it was like it took you away, not them, but, you know, the system took you away and, and hid you over there. But no, I'm not mad at them. You know, I know that a lot of folks, you know, you know they can't have children. They want to have children, you know, because there's something special about having children, as you know. <laughs> so they wanted that, you know, so I'm glad for them, you know, that they had that chance. I wish I could have had that chance, right, to help raise you at that time, right? You know, the other thing that I think about through the time that I didn't know you, and now, you know, people didn't think about your feelings, how how you were feeling, not knowing. I I hear you talk about it. Like, wow, that must have been, you know, a terrible experience. You know, as nice as it looked with the white picket fence and, you know, the nice schools you went to with the uniforms and everything and your pigtails, curly pigtails with dark skin, <laughs> not knowing anything because nobody's saying anything, but in your heart, you know something that you're not white. I think about you like that, like, wow, that, that's a terrible experience. I have to live like, you know. You know, you're that, the first people. You're the first people that said that. Yeah. Well, that breaks my You guys were the first people yeah. that ever acknowledged, well, and my partner, who I never, who I never really name on here, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. He... When he entered my life, my my loving and supportive partner entered my life in 2017, and it was really him who I credit with sort of reopening the can of worms that I had tried to go at by myself. He was the first person in my life that was like, "Yeah, you're not not supposed to know where you come from." Yeah. I remember his his one of his family members gifted everybody in the family a book, and it's this total like his historic log of his family generations back, filled with pictures and names, and it's this beautiful hardcover book and. He was, him and really his mom, they were both very like adamant that I am not supposed to not know the things that I don't know. Like I am supposed to, I have a right to know these things and it floored them. And I hadn't, 
I guess I just swept it aside because nobody else in my world would like listen to me wanting to know this information, except for I'll say my one roommate back in the day who was also adopted. And she found her birth mother, her father she found, and he was like, I don't know, you get out of here. So she experienced both somebody mm-hmm. who was warm and open and then somebody who was like totally turned her away. And mm-hmm. I saw her react to both those reunions in the respective way she had reacted to them. That was long before I had my reunion. But outside of her, my partner was the first person that brought it up again, many, many, many years later. And then, so so he's the one that inspired me to do the DNA test and finally find out at least what ethnicity-wise what I was so I can start answering those questions and not feel like such an imposter. Like I had no idea what it was. Yeah. But when I met you and actually your son, my beautiful brother, half-brother, he said to me one day, I feel so bad for you. I cannot believe you went, you know, your sister mm-hmm. says to me, you say to me. So you guys really were the first people even, and I'm thinking, you're thinking about my feelings. I'm thinking about how you got robbed, you know? So I think our mutual sort of, each of us stepped into each other's shoes and we're like, wow, this really stinks what happened to us. And I think it's why together yeah. we're sort of like, let's, we're here now. So we're going to make the yeah. best of it going forward. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, you know, for me, it's kind of like as a father, you know, I think about how my job as a father to take care of you and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't do it. You know, my hands were tied and I feel bad about that, you know, you know, and I guess I feel bad for you because when I hear you say those things, I'm thinking, like, man, that's such a, you know, bad thing for, you know, a child. When you're really smart, maybe they make that much difference. But as you grew up, you know, you started to have your own thinking, your reasoning and stuff. And you're thinking, like, who am I? Where am I? And then if them bad kids would call you bad names, the N-word, she's like, well, am I? Or no, I'm not. I mean, you know, I'm thinking like, wow, what? that's that's really uh, unfair to you. And I don't like that, you know, that you have to go through that. Then you went, you know, through adulthood, you know, same thing, you know, uh, you don't really know what you know in your heart. And I got to admit that I don't think it was fair on what your birth mom did once you connected with her. Because that could have began a healing journey at that point. But you know, her being stubborn and wherever she was at, not, you know, thinking about you. That's why I think she didn't think about you. She think about herself and whatever agreements she made in her family, you know. Which I don't like that, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You're, you're, you're part of me, and that's so I hurt like for that for you, you know, that you had to experience that. So no parent wants their kid to have any pain. A little knee cut when they fall down, or this is even worse than a knee cut. This is a a life of not having some of the answers that you needed. Well, yeah. I'm. Where, where should I send the therapy bill? Well, you can start with your grandma, my mother. Yeah, I'm just kidding. She's, she's I'm kidding. No, she's a psychologist. She's into that kind of thing, you know. Wait, I wanted to, um, <laughs> wait, hold on. I'm going to bring, I am getting something. So we're not going to be on, you know, it's a podcast and it's audio only. So nobody will see this, but I'm going to talk about it. And then I'm going to post a picture of it. So the, I wanted, I, we have just a handful of minutes left. So I want to make sure I talk about something that was super special to me, if I can fix this. So just for everybody listening, I am on video right now recording with my birth father. So he can see me, but we only just to protect everybody's privacy and whatnot, I choose to do this podcast audio only. However, I want to show you because I can't get it when I, so let me just jump to something really fast. So I can talk about this beautiful thing that happened because I see it commented on, other people keep commenting adoptees on Instagram that I follow and such. There's such a huge conversation and everybody is really open with whatever they're experiencing. So it's really nice that we all have each other. But one of the things that I recently saw was, well, I continue to see periodically stories that remind us that we're all connected to you, birth parents and families and ancestors, even if we don't know who you are. So one of my takeaways was, even though I don't know who I come from, when I didn't know where I came from and who my ancestors were and everything like that, how how do I help other people who are wondering the same things I was wondering that didn't get to have the connection that now I've experienced? And this little story I'm going to share, and I'll, I'll post a picture of what I'm talking about, 
when my birth father and I first met via social media, right? I contacted you on Facebook and we yes. talked about that earlier. But when we first started, then we kind of graduated our relationship. Once we trusted each other, we're like, okay, we really are like daddy daughter. <laughs> we didn't need the DNA test because the story matched because we look alike, all that kind of stuff. I, You started sharing your story with me and you started telling me when you left Buffalo, then you went to Hawaii and had yourself a time in Hawaii, ultimately grandma and your, you know, some members of your family moved to Cali and you were telling me the story and I kept hearing, oh, he went to Hawaii. Oh, he was in California. Eventually you moved to California. And on my neck, as you were talking, I realized I was wearing my necklace. I don't have it on today because I actually broke the chain on my necklace. Do you remember me telling you this? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is right after we met, you're telling me your stories. And I kind of like grasped, grabbed my necklace and I was like, whoa, I have a necklace. Somebody gave me California has always been a very special place to me. I used to go there a lot because I just thought I was supposed to be in Hollywood. Then actually, as I grew up, I just loved Cali and the climate and the people and the vibe. And I always told myself I was going to get there. And I did get there. In 2017, I moved to the Bay Area. Job took me out there. I was so excited. And ultimately, I had to come back east for a multitude of reasons. But I had this necklace on with a California charm. And then the other charm I got from my mom who raised me, it was when she went to Hawaii with her and my dad went to Hawaii for, I think it was somebody in the family's anniversary. And she gave me her a little piece of coral from Hawaii. So on my necklace, I wear my little piece of coral and my little California charm. And I put them together for no particular reason. And I wore this necklace. And as you were telling me the story soon, like really soon after we met, I was like, gosh, those two places are very special to me. I did some you know, healing stuff, bad relationship, blah, blah, after college. And I wound up going to Hawaii and just finding it heavenly and healing. And then also California was a very healing and lovely place that I went to. I say all this to say, so I know the people listening can't see it, but I'm going to post it on social media, the little necklace so they can see what I'm talking about. That was a sign to me that like, no matter what, you can take, you know, the girl out of the house or the girl away from the, the, the baby away from blood, but we're all still connected. Right. And that was something I just wanted to, I think it would be a nice place to like close is to sort of remind people about the ties that bind us. We, we sometimes adopt ease and I speak for myself and then the others that have shared the same sentiment with me, we feel like unconnected. I know when we're either adopted by parents that aren't our race or like me, I didn't even know what the heck race I was. We don't feel connected to culture, you know, things like that. So it was so nice for me when I met you to be able to come to know the side that everybody took great lengths to hide and everybody took great lengths to erase. And now I found it and it was so nice. But even beyond that, it felt like there's so many little connections. You know, I, you guys, I don't know, it just, I lived 40 minutes away from my grandma and my aunt and from where you were when you lived in California, right? You guys were in the Oakland area. I was in San Jose. Um, So to find that out later, and I keep seeing these stories that people are sharing when they find out, you know, oh, my sister was in my school or my I live down the street from my parents or, you know, there's all these little things. And I think there's some, what is, I call that like universal sort of tie that binds. Nobody can break it, even though they try. That sounds, I know I'm a little woo-woo for you, but do you feel like, do you feel like that was a little strange coincidence? Or do you think that was some sort of like divine power, like pushing us sort of together, even though everybody tried to keep us apart? What what are your thoughts about that? Or is it just coincidence and I'm too woo-woo for you? Well, well, first of all, I don't believe in coincidence. That's things aren't like that. No, I believe that this was like, you know, we were supposed to be together, supposed to meet even though for whatever happened and all that stuff, you know, we were supposed to be in that place together. And during your you know, period of time over there, I, mean, I didn't really plan on going to California, except for like you said, my mom there, my sister, they were working in that area. Um, so I would go there. But, you know, I, <laughs> I just thought about something you were saying that your little sister, my daughter, other daughter, she got this Hollywood thing too, <laughs> right? <laughs> going on. And, I know, um, my little sister, my, she's yeah. such a little like baddie. I love watching her. Yep, she she's you know got a lot of you in there. <laughs> she's, I love it. I, let me just say for a second too, for of course anybody that our siblings potentially listening to the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with a brother. We were both adopted. We were we our parents 
had us in a nice nuclear, like loving family and things like that. Outside of that, we didn't have too much in common. There's love there, of course. But, you know, siblings, like blood siblings, I don't know if he would agree with me, but, you know, we were sister and brother because we were told we were sister and brother. And it's hard for me. I don't, I don't talk about him too much because I'm sad for him too. Ooh, I'm going to start crying. So I don't talk about him like too much, but when I met, and I don't want to disrespect him either in our relationship. With that all being said, when I met my siblings, especially your daughter, because so yes, my half sister, your other daughter. Thank you for the correction. See, that's why you're actually really a good example because you, yeah. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for correcting that. Anyway, you know she looks like me. So literally, when I met her and she was 13, I looked at her and I remember 13 year old me who had like these bright eyes and imagination, and I also wanted to be a model and I wanted to like go to Hollywood. So I get to see her and. I'm thinking, oh, is that what it would have looked like if I had, if I had more confidence and support? So I don't know. There's been a few moments where I've seen her and you to interact, and I get. I don't. I don't think the word envious is correct, but there's some kind of feeling where I'm like, oh, I'm adopted. You guys all grew up together, and I've had that on both my birth mother and your side, right? I mean, and I've learned from other people. That's just a very familiar experience. I don't know what the secret is to make us feel like we are part of the family, totally all in part of the family. So I don't know. It's another sort of interesting caveat of the reunion process is when they do happen and they are successful, it's challenging sometimes to make sure everybody in the whole story feels like nobody feels like they don't belong kind of thing. And, you know, she shared with me before, she's like, oh, you're so lucky you got to like get raised in this other family. And, you know, I listened to her and she's like, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, you know, so her and I have had some interesting conversations about my experiences versus her experiences and what could be different. But I do think the biggest piece where I was kind of like, oh, she's so lucky kind of thing is that she, you know, her mom's white, obviously. And well, not obviously, because people don't know her, but so she's mixed. And that's hence why we look very similar. You know, we have very similar hair and skin and just shape and the whole thing. The nose. I got the baby. I got got yours. We got the nose. I mean, the whole thing. I would say the hardest part, and this is for people that are listening, like sweet Maureen, who left the testimonial that might be considering search and reunion and definitely feel some sort of anxiety over it. It is a beautiful story that you and I have. And it also, it's not without challenges, of course. My my point I was trying to make was that my my sweet sister, one of the things in my story that made me envious or something was that she had you. So she was able to grow up knowing her identity, her ethnic identity. And I had put so much emphasis on that for me in my life because life made me do that, right? right. Life has you asking what your, you know, every application has you check the boxes and I never knew what boxes to check. And I always checked white until I started questioning it. And as I got older and I go to the doctor on my own or I'd apply for jobs, all these boxes, I was like, well, I don't know if that's actually right. And at some phase in my life, I even would check other and I would write in there. I don't have a clue I'm adopted, you know? (laughs) Oh, I think I was envious that she had that like identity piece, Yeah. right? It had nothing to do with anything else. It was just that she knew who she was. She knew which boxes to check. She could be in touch with like the culture and the, and I think that to me, that to me, I kind of would say that was always a hard spot for me. I went to college to Alabama thinking I was white and I started rushing white sororities. Greek life, sorority and fraternity life is so big down in the South and it was huge at the University of Alabama where I went. Actually, there's some silly old, I think it's a whole TikTok like documentary thing is how big it is that Greek life in Alabama and I was just like trucking along in Alabama, going from white sorority to white sorority to white sorority. Pick me, pick me. It's like this whole scene, not realizing that like 19 out of 20 of those sororities were not going to pick me totally because they were like, well, you're not, what are you? I mean, it was, it came down to race. Mm. Wow. And 
So I got a real rude awakening when I went to Alabama. And again, I didn't have anybody that I could talk to about it because I don't even know if I could recognize it. But somebody called me. Well, anyway, Alabama is where I got my like initiation. Into, <laughs> right, right. So I definitely had some um, yeah. real life race, racist and racial experiences in Alabama that threw me off. I was not ready. I was not prepared. And I had nobody to talk to about it. And I think that's the piece where I was like, oh, she's so lucky that she's never going to have to wonder what she was. So all that to say, it's why I think these stories are so important. So parents that are raising little me's or agencies that are placing little me's or whatever the case may be, like you have to tell us the truth so we can move forward and know who we are and where we come from. Right. Yeah. Back In to- closing. In closing, anything else? Like, again, I've we've talked about our search, my search, our reunion. We've talked about the beginning. We've discussed some policies and, you know, politics and all the horrible, you know, wrongs that need to be righted and things like that. Is there anything in closing that you want to, I mean, tell the industry? Is there anything that anything in closing that you have that you want to put out there? Well, one thing is that these are real lives that we're dealing with. We're not a number. We're not a commodity. You know, we're real people. And, you know, we all have feelings and emotions. Yeah, there's all kinds of circumstances that might lead up to something. But, you know, when we're making these kind of choices and decisions, I just want to make sure that people know it's going to affect those that are involved with it. I mean, if the babies affected, the mother, fathers affected, and the grandparents are affected. So brothers and sisters, you know, the whole family are affected. But one thing is that, you know, we want to make this world a better place. Birth and bringing in new life is the beginning. We can't forget that. So leading a child into a good life and not leaving, like in our situation, leaving a bunch of un answer questions that's not the answer amen <laughs> well said you asked <laughs> i know the spirit you're channeling the, the holy spirit yeah well thank you i honestly it's been like very it's somebody i some people joke around with me and they're like you found out in 2020 and you know the missing pieces so i'm technically like three and a half years old Because I just, you know, got a little bit of a new chance to move forward with, I think, more confidence and things like that. Because there's a lot of, like, hurt people walking around, whatever their story, right? There just seems to be a lot of hurt people. And, you know, it's not our fault. And then we get, it happens, and then we get to choose what we do with it. So, you know, technology is crazy, and it's, like, moving faster than the speed of light. But thankfully, it existed in this case where I could you know, find you. And I, I don't think people that are keeping secrets right now should be sleeping well at night. Oh, there goes the dogs. There's too much connectivity out there for these secrets to continue to like harbor. So everybody just needs to broach the hard subjects and have the conversations. Obviously, policies need to be and are being reviewed it's it's state since it is just like other political issues since it is a state to state thing maybe it needs to be a federal 
law. I don't know. We leave these things up to the states and every state's different. So I don't see that it's going to be ending anytime soon that we have need for adoption, but they need to change the checklist, if you will, of like criteria and things that need to be met before you actually like remove a baby from a house or, or hand a baby over to another family. I wish that my parents that raised me were around to have these conversations with me. I don't know. I I was scared to have it with them. They made pretty clear to me that this wasn't going to be a comfortable conversation. So I took the easy road and did a lot of my searching and whatnot outside of them. I wish now, knowing everything that I know, that I had the courage to talk to them about some of these things more openly because they were both totally around and cognitively available. When my birth mother found me, I made one little mention about my birth mother finding me and their reaction, especially my father, the reaction was not, I mean, it was very much so like, we raised you for 30 years and now she wants to come in and know you. You know, it wasn't supported. So this, I just met somebody this week for business purposes. I was on a call and the girl happened to make a comment to me that she saw my, she said, asked me if I was in a, advocate in the adoption industry. And I said, well, I advocate for adoptees' rights and ability to access their information. And she was like, oh, I'm adopted. you know. And she shared her story with me. And she was shaking as she shared it. And she said to me, I don't know if you hear my voice shaking, but I'm nervous because I never talk about this. I didn't. Is that something we talk about? And I'm like, no, it's not something that we talk about unless we need to talk about it And we take the steps to find other people that are talking about it. So we find the community and safe spaces and things like that. But I do know good organizations. On Your Feet Foundation is an organization that I met early on. And they were so kind to listen to my story. And they're another group that heard my story. And they were like, we want you to tell your story because our community of people that we support need to hear from you so they can understand like an adoptee perspective. And I think we've been hiding for so long that there that you know now we're coming out of the woodwork talking about it and it needs to be talked about because it's kind of an ugly part of an american culture that needs to be the ship needs to be righted so that organization is i know one that i'm familiar with that supports the birth parents it's predominantly i think their group is probably predominantly birth mothers but they also do hold space for fathers as well so, and I'll kind of put all these things in the podcast resources list, but that organization, if there's any birth parents that might be struggling or have any questions or want to find community, they can go to On Your Feet Foundation. But anyway, I'm kind of committed to being an open book too. So if anybody is interested in, you know, hearing more about my search and reunion process or journey, if they need support, just a little extra support because you never know what you're going to get on the other side. You kind of have to know that when you go into it and be prepared to almost be let down again. So anyway, I think that's it for now, but I really appreciate you being brave and coming you know, on. And obviously, thank you for just opening up your whole like world to me again. And I'm glad you're in my life and my families. So thank you. Yes, and we are too. We're glad that we have you in our family. One thing that I was thinking that, yeah, just for any dads out there, if they want to ever, you know, chat with me through you, contact you, and, and let's do that, you know, because we need support. Yeah. I know my thing was I kind of dealt with two issues was abortion was one thing, then it was the adoption side of it. Um, and I didn't want either one of them. So I know there's a lot of dads out there that 
you know, with, you know, we can talk about it. I'm glad that you invited me on. <laughs> Aw, thank you, thank you. I, I'm I'm sure we'll get. Usually, people send me direct messages and things like that. So I we we are both open. So direct message if you have any questions for me or for my father. And you know, just I encourage everybody to continue to share their stories and keep talking about it. Have some you know, grace and space for other people's perspectives. This is our story. We're not imposing it on anybody else. We're just sharing our story to help people make other decisions that might help their family story in the future as well. I think we've all experienced in our situation, I'll speak for my birth mom too, healing. She no longer has to harbor this secret she was holding. We've talk to her and work through that. And somehow you two are connected on Facebook, which feels like a small miracle. Who would have ever thought? But, you know, there's there's a power in forgiveness. And some stories that I've heard sound like totally unforgivable. But still, there's got to be like a path that helps even the worst of circumstances and the people involved in those horrible stories like move forward. So that's what we're here for, to provide a little hope and some support so everybody could ultimately heal from like these circumstances for which we were or were not the you know we didn't make these decisions in your and my story but we were hurt by them and now we're healing so thank you thank we, you yeah. good thing <laughs> we are thank you for being supportive and kind i appreciate you i love you bethany love you too oh they know my name oh, you. i'm just they yeah. know me. I'm just, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't like to give everybody's names out there because I'm not trying to, you know, blow anybody's spot up. But thank you. You are welcome back anytime. Okay. Just let me know. Okay. Love you. Love you more. Bye. Bye. They say there are three sides to every story his, hers, and the truth. As you can imagine, it's complicated. And this is a really tough topic to sort through. Like my birth father says, there are a lot of circumstances that lead up to the ultimate decisions. But let's not forget, what isn't changing is the fact that we're real people. If we would just take the time to remember that there are real people involved, then perhaps we'd be treated as such. The industry could operate from a different place, a child-centered place, and perhaps the outcomes for many children could be different. Imagine if my birth father had the rights to raise me as a responsible adult along with the help of his family whether you think he could you know afford to give me this beautiful life or not at that time it's irrelevant I would have had connection culture community family a lot of the things that I experienced I wouldn't have had all that being said I also experienced a very loving supportive privileged life with the family that ultimately raised me. So I have been able to come to a point where both can be true. And that is the way that I have to operate or else I could continue to spin and be upset about some of the things that did or didn't happen in my journey. So it is true. My parents who raised me loved me and I love them. And I think that's the point um, that I hear others that have a similar um, experience or perspective I am not saying that my experience growing up was um, not loving, supportive, and kind. Uh, I, I, I very much so had that. But even 
be, even in light of that, it was difficult for me to move past the want and the curiosity and the feelings that came along with, you know, feeling like I wasn't worthy of the truth. I wasn't getting the whole story. People are lying all around me. And, um, and I knew it and they were, and I just had to live with it for over 40 years of my life until I stood up and I didn't live that way anymore. So it is complicated and it is possible and two things can be true. Um, I just want to thank everybody for listening today. And as we continue to say, we are here for you. Thank you for sharing, listening, writing um, a review, sending a message. Um, I appreciate you. Until next time. 